Turn with me, please, over to the book of Luke. We're going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. The title of the message is Coming to Christ. Coming to Christ. Luke 2, verses 8 through 16. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Lord, help us as we study. Two aspects about this passage upon which I'd like to concentrate. One, that the shepherds have the angels come to them, and then the shepherds go to Jesus. This is quite a moment. And because we understand the narrative so much, sometimes we can forget the supernaturalness of the moment. And realize, well, those kind of things happen because it's the Bible. But God came in a way that was unusual to these shepherds. Oh, we've seen angels in the Old Testament. Time and again, they would come to deliver a message on behalf of God. To Samson's mama, the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a son. The angel of the Lord would come in different environments and either deliver the people of Israel from a foe about which they could not fight or conquer. Angels would serve humanity in ways that other men could not. But this was unusual in that you not only had one angel, but you had a whole host. Now there were prophets who had seen angels and they had seen visions, but None of them had had this. An angel came and said, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all of the people and don't be afraid. Now the interesting thing is Jesus obviously had been born just earlier that evening. And I I don't know exactly what I would have done if I had the opportunity to use the voice that I could use or the all the tools at my disposal to announce to the world that the Son of God had been born I don't think I would have chosen shepherds as the first folks who would know I probably would have allowed the Christ child to be born in this generation whereby CNN and CBS (laughs) could film the entire thing and all the world would know what God has done 
But God came to a generation that didn't have any media, no internet, no social stuff, no connectivity. And to a group of people that were seen to be on the, on the occupational ladder at the lowest rung. If he wasn't going to share in the generation where everybody would know at the same time, where somebody could take a video on their camera phone and send it out to the world, at least he could have gone to the religious folk, huh? The pastors, the, the leaders, the, the, the priests of the day. Those who dealt with all of the things that were important to Israel's progress spiritually. No, he did not come to them. He came to shepherds. He didn't even come to the elders of Israel. He didn't come to the small group leaders. He didn't come to the children's church workers. He didn't come to the youth ministers. He didn't come to the campus ministers. He came to people who rarely come to church. The shepherds were looked at in the religious realm as being on the bottom rung of the ladder primarily because they couldn't ever get to temple. Why? Because they were always watching their sheep. Even on Sabbath, they had to watch their sheep and so the religious community looked at shepherds as being people who really didn't care much about church. Couldn't be very spiritual because they could never make it. And it didn't mean they didn't want to. It just means they couldn't. And God said, I'm going to take the people who everybody considers the outcast of the religious system and I'm going to let them know. Now when an angel shows up, generally, if you look at the Old Testament, when an angel shows up, they don't show up just to say, hey. It's not one of these, how you doing? Now, there are times when angels actually appear to be men. So when the angel showed up with Mary and said, Mary, I want you to know you found favor with God. And you're going to bear a son. And he's going to be called Jesus. And he's going to save his people from their sins. Well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? We have no sense, like we do with the shepherds, that there was any fear as a result of the angelic presence that visited Mary, meaning that she thought she was having a conversation with a normal human being. Yeah, maybe not so normal, and that he was prophesying something to her that was unusual. But there's no fear. There's no concern. It's just a conversation. So we get the sense that this angel that appeared, Gabriel, who was the messenger that, that came according to the gospel presentation, he was in charge of that, that somehow he appeared kind of like us. But not this time. It says the angels came in such a way that it made the shepherds afraid. Angels are mighty beings, strong, powerful. They move at the speed of, well, light wishes they could it could move at the, the speed the angels move yeah it's just they're stunning i'm just boom in out gone here there and in one night one angel delivered the people of israel from an entire army by vanquishing over 80,000 soldiers in one night massive power and so when an angel appears and you haven't been to church in a long time you get my point? You have reason to be afraid. Why are you? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I, 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 I'll go to small group on Wednesday, I promise. They were afraid. 
They thought, this is it. My sins have caught up with me. God has sent an angel to do away with me. I, this is, I, I'm coming to meet you, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm telling my age. That's terrible. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. As we look at this encounter, I want you to look at it from two perspectives. One, that God sends somebody to tell somebody good news. And that, tonight, maybe is me to you. Or maybe it's been some other pastor, some other leader, some other spiritual guide, or discipler, or pres- presenter, that's given you good news. And you need to consider yourself blessed just to be the hearer of the good news. I imagine these shepherds were saying after the moment ended, why us? God has come in the flesh. The Messiah has been born to our generation. We've heard about it. One person after another, when I was growing up at Passover, they would talk about it around the dinner table. and The son of David and all this stuff. I can't even remember all the scriptures, but I don't know why, but the Lord actually, he revealed to me, oh, you ought to feel really blessed that you can hear. That your ears are open because there were times when you heard but you didn't listen. And you went out and what you heard made no difference in your life. You can hear now. And you ought to respond accordingly. And then I want you to, to hear what I have to say from the perspective of now that you've heard, what are you going to do? Not only do we need to be hearers, but we need to be messengers. Here we have the angels. It says we're messengers. And these messengers came, it says, with a degree of glory. Again, I mentioned before that angelic beings could appear to be human in their form, but not this time. There is something that ought to accompany your presentation of the gospel that has a little bit of glory on it. When you preach this message to somebody, whether it be by chapter and verse or whether it be by testimony and you don't know any verses that can back up what you know to be true, however it comes out, there ought to be a level of glory that accompanies your presentation. And I'm not saying you need to glow in the dark. You need to have this aura around you whereby people go, oh, no. What I'm talking about is the person who preaches, who ministers a message, ought to be living it. There ought to be a second confirmation beyond what you say that is backed up by your life. Otherwise, people say, well, they talk a good game, but it doesn't seem to matter much. There was glory. The glory of God was around these angelic beings. God didn't have to present it that way. But he wanted people to know that there is consistency with the message and the person who is presenting. The message is great and so should be the glory on the person of what God has done in their life because they live it. I'm begging you. Let consistency be a part of your presentation. Nobody's looking for perfect, although perfect would be great, but I don't think we'll ever get there. We've already marred everything that we, we, we would like to have in terms of our record. We've proven that we are flawed. But nobody says we shouldn't strive for it. And consistency ought to be the order of the day. 
You ought to have a life that is full of more victories than defeats. You ought to have a life that is full of more victories than defeats. Most people in Christianity chalk it up to, to, I'm only human whenever they fail. And whenever they fail is more often than when they succeed. Nobody's perfect, they say. Well, no kidding. We already know that. But why did God write this Bible? Except that you would obey. Why did he give you the Holy Spirit? Except that he's empowering you to obey. And so you have no excuse. You can't say I'm only human. No, you have been remade in his image. And now you've got the leverage to be able to live with victory more often than living in defeat. Glory ought to accompany your life. And Paul talks about this glory. He says the glory of the gospel is one that increases. He says the glory that Moses had when he came down from the mountain and Moses got the, the, the Decalogue, <laughs> amazing Ten Commandments. They're, they're, some of the best things humanity has ever gotten, Ten Commandments. They're, they're, they're just they're stunning. And they were so great. He was on that mountain for so long that God's glory kind of kind of got on him. And when he came down, he didn't realize it, but he started walking and people said, hey, we're looking at him. Dude, you know, your face is glowing. It's glowing. I don't even know what that means, but it's glowing. And he had to wear a veil on his face because he was in the presence of God for so long. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about that. He says the glory that Moses had faded. It, it left. And there's something about the law as good as it is, that only restrains the action. It doesn't change the soul. And even then, it doesn't restrain action very well. The law is great. But Pastor Jim, a few years ago, preached a message called um, Unnecessary Instructions. And, and he, he went on the Internet and found this 10 this list of 10 things that the commercial industry has had to put on their products so that people don't do something wrong. And, and, and one of the little notes on a can of Sansbury peanuts said this, warning, contains nuts. <laughs> now you sit there and you say, why is that on there? Because somebody who's allergic to nuts, forgot. <laughs> and you sit there and say, you needed to be told that. <laughs> On a Rowena iron, it said, do not use iron with clothes on. <laughs> this is true. Why? Because somebody thought they would, they would multitask. <laughs> and you, you sit there and you say, you had to be told? You had to be told. Honor your mother and father. Do not murder. You had to be. You had to be told? Really? Oh, the Ten Commandments are the greatest, but 
The greatest thing the Ten Commandments do is show how messed up we are, that we have to be told, and how needful we are. And all they do is reveal how messed up we are so that we will understand how much we need a Savior to deliver us from us. The glory faded with Moses because the law could not do what Jesus could. It couldn't fix us on the inside. But this glory with Christ, it's supposed to increase, Paul says. Ever increasing is the glory in our life. These angels came with glory in their message. I pray that the maturity that you have now increases tomorrow so that when you articulate this message, it comes out with greater power because you're living it. And Jesus is being manifest in your life more and more daily. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. This gospel is good news. You do not have to suffer for your sins. You do not have to deal with the consequences of your misdeeds. Christ came to take it for you. The angels came to give these shepherds good news that is, that is supposed to be and generate great joy on the inside. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing what you've done because I sure, surely couldn't save myself. Good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And it is for all the people. It's for black folk. It's for white folk. It's for Latinos. It's for Asians. Jesus had all of us on the inside of him. His great-grandmama was, was a lady who worked at night. Rahab, she's in the line. She's in his genetic line from Jericho. Then you have Ruth, who is a Moabite woman. And you sit there and you say, well, he wasn't really all Jewish. No, he was all of us. And in being all of us, he was all of us. And he died that we might have life. This, is, this ought to produce great joy. For everybody who wants to receive benefit from this cross. When the shepherds heard this, they were, they, they, they were excited. They were excited. And it says their response was this. Let us go and see this thing about which the angels made known to us. Let us straight away go and determine what this was. There ought to be a response from everybody here. Even if you have already come to the knowledge of the truth, there ought to be a response that says, I want to hurry up and get to Jesus and, and, and know him better than I do now, and I'm going to run to do it. Not wait. Don't delay. It says that they hurried and went and saw this thing that God had said to them. There ought to be an urgency in all of our lives to figure out how we can get to Jesus more today than we did yesterday. Run to him. And the beauty of the moment was this. You say, why in the world did God reveal it to shepherds? Well, there are a lot of reasons. Shepherds represent people who care for sheep, and people are sheep. And God wants to go ahead and show how he wants to reveal himself to folks who care for his people. So that's one reason. But the other is just a practical reason. These, these shepherds were the closest ones to, 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 to Bethlehem. And there was Joseph, who was trying to figure stuff out. Joseph, who was married to Mary. 
And the angel in, the, in, in a dream had come to Joseph and said, take this woman. Take her as your wife. What she's saying is true. I have done this on the inside. She didn't have an affair. She didn't go with some other man. I have done this. The child on the inside of her is of me. Take her as your wife, and you will name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph did it by faith. It says in the morning he arose, took her as his wife, and did not have relations with her until after she gave birth. A man of integrity here. He wanted to preserve the testimony. Amazing. But he gets to the, he gets to the, 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 the nativity, the barn, and he's sitting there thinking, now how, why in the world would God allow his son to be born in a barn? That doesn't sound nothing like deity to me. When God does something, rarely does he give you all the, the answers as to why he's doing something in your life. He just wants you to obey. He wants you to go ahead and comply. And then he will bring confirmation later. But in the middle, between when you started to obey and when you, need, when you receive all the confirmations, you have to deal with these th thoughts of doubt in your brain. You've got to shoo them away on a regular basis, remembering what God said in the beginning, even though you don't have all the confirmations of what you need in order for your soul to say amen. And so he's sitting there probably dealing with all these thoughts. And then the, the baby gets born. He's thinking, I got to put the child in a feeding trough? The son of God in a feeding trough. Some may write about this. I know I didn't do nothing wrong. Mary, do we need to have a conversation? And of course, when the baby comes out, I mean, what do you think when you, when you think about the Son of God being born? Will he fly out of the womb? <laughs> Might he glow in the dark? I mean, what do you think this... This is, this, is, this is a special baby. And when Mary gives birth, the, the child comes out like any other child. Five fingers on one hand, five on the other, five toes, all in goop. And he's sitting there thinking... We're in a barn. I'm putting the baby in a manger. This child ain't no different than any other. In fact, we're worse off than most. We are worse off than most. Mary, do we need to have a conversation? And then, all of a sudden, a knock on the door. Um, yeah, like, is there a baby in there? Yeah, who are you? Well, dude, let me tell you, we were out in the field watching over our flocks, and all of a sudden, this angel just showed up. We thought we were dead because we ain't been to church. And then all of a sudden, he said, it's a good moment. Good news, a great joy. A Savior's been born, and he told us exactly where, and we've come to the address. And we weren't quite sure we didn't want to barge in because it's, you know, your, your wife had a baby, and you don't know us. We just came to the delivery room. That's all we did. But can we see? Because they told us that the Christ had been born. Joseph.
Now, Mary, we don't need a conversation. God does a lot of stuff interconnected in order to help you understand that he cares about you. But your responsibility is to obey what you know, even when you don't know it all. a message of good news that should bring you great joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness and grace. There's nobody like you, and what you've done for us is overly magnanimous. I'm asking for you to now touch hearts so that people can come to a greater greater understanding of how to apply your word to their life. 